AAP members effectively advocate for their specialty when they cannot currently speak to their members of Congress in person, or perhaps they're hesitant to speak to congressional members due to a perceived lack of knowledge on advocacy issues. Fortunately, plenty of CAP members have participated in virtual meetings with members of Congress and their legislative staff and can provide some insight. In this CAPCAST, Dr. Rosaline Saluja, a pathologist in Chicago, Illinois, discusses her experience advocating virtually with her congressional representatives. Dr. Saluja is currently the Blood Banking and Transfusion Medicine Fellow at Northwestern University, and after graduation, she will join the pathologist at Carl Foundation Hospital in Champaign, Illinois. Dr. Saluja, please describe your previous experiences meeting and speaking with members of Congress pre-COVID. Thanks so much for having me on today. Um, I'm really excited to be uh, here with you, Julie, on the podcast for CAP today. Prior to COVID, I actually had no experience doing advocacy for pathology. I had been uh, politically involved in my local community, but I had no experience speaking with a member of Congress on an issue directly relating to my specialty. So once COVID shut down in-person visits, what compelled you to speak with congressional officials last year? So we had heard through CAP that there was potentially going to be some budget cutbacks. There had been a lot of spending through Medicare and Medicaid on, obviously, COVID, and that there was this bill floating around initially to cut 5% across the board. And then I thought that, you know, that's going to be a devastating hit to providers who have just really gone above and beyond in the pandemic. And that really didn't sit well with me. So I talked to some people in my program. I talked to mentors in pathology, my old fellowship director. And I said, you know, hey, do you think I should work with CAP on this? You know, what's your experience working with CAP? And sort of universally, everyone was like, I think you'll have a really positive experience. So I went ahead and reached out to the CAP liaison to set something up and, you know, kind of uh, identified myself to them as someone that would be willing to speak out. I'm so glad that I did because the cuts sort of went from bad to worse. There was a move then to shield primary care from the cuts. So instead of a 5% cut across the board, the sort of the worst incantation of the bill that eventually came around was 9% for specialties. And, you know, that was including the lab. And that was really sad for me because even though obviously we're subspecialty trained and laboratory and specialty support, you know, hospital support, uh, specialties like anesthesia or radiology, even though we don't treat patients directly all the time, like face-to-face, there's no surgery without anesthesia. There's no cancer diagnosis without surgical pathology. So there's no internal medicine happening without laboratory. There's no pediatrics happening without diagnoses from the lab. So I thought for us to be included in this subspecialty cut was not right. So I felt very compelled to speak out. So can you take us through your virtual meeting with your member of Congress? What was the ask? Did you feel that the outcome of the meeting was successful and move things forward? Yes, absolutely. So the person that we identified that we wanted to reach out to was uh, Representative Sherry Bustos. She represents Illinois' 17th district. She is in the district that is in the hometown of my husband. So my husband and I got married in Moline, Illinois, and Sherry Bustos is the United States representative from that district. She's also one of three co-chairs of the DCCC. So that's a really powerful organization within the Democratic uh, structures. The DCCC stands for Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. So they sort of represent the different candidates and getting different candidates funding and making decisions on like a strategy level for the party. 
And so she is a really important person in her party structure. I just want to say, regardless of who you know, is that person's representative, regardless of their party, um, healthcare is a super important issue on both sides of the aisle and also jobs. So once we had identified, okay, this is the person that we had wanted to speak to, the CAP representative helped us set up a meeting with uh, a liaison from her office. So, you know, it wasn't this very intimidating thing. It wasn't like, oh, we have to speak to, you know, U- U.S. Congressperson. It was very relaxed. The CAP liaison was on the call with me, and we spoke to her representative, and we made our case. So our ask was that by the time we had gotten on the call together, there was a bill that was being put forward to negate these cuts in the Senate, and there had not been a corresponding bill I think it was that there was one in the Senate, but there wasn't a corresponding bill in the House. There was some support for it, but essentially Sherry Bustos had said, you know, she supported it, but she hadn't signed on. Her name wasn't actually on the bill supporting to avoid these cuts. I was fortunate in that our ask was, you know, you mentioned that you were supportive of this. Can you commit to this? So that was our specific ask. Um, In terms of what made the meeting successful or you know, best strategies, I would say always begin by identifying yourself. If you're a constituent, identify yourself as such. Let them know you supported them in the last election or that you've lived in their district for a certain number of years. In my case, I let the representative know, you know, this is my husband's home district. This is the district we got married in. We are really politically active. We're really engaged. Healthcare is a super important issue to us. Healthcare access, particularly rural healthcare access, is super important. And so, you know, we just kind of framed it as, Voting for this kind of cut could potentially risk jobs for people in the district. And in a district where a lot of manufacturing and service industry has been cut, the jobs that are left in that district are healthcare. And I think this is so true across so many states in the country that for a lot of middle class people and upper middle class people, the good jobs, the good jobs in their respective districts are in healthcare and they've committed to, you know, cancer care or to equity, healthcare equity, then remind them of that commitment. And then on the other side of it, if you're lobbying to a party that hasn't committed to that, let them know that it is important to your constituents for them to have access to specialty doctors. It is really important to seniors in your community for them to get accurate and timely cancer diagnoses, you know, and then who we are, you know, we're cancer specialists, we're diagnostic specialists, like let them know who you are as a pathologist. I'm a blood banker and I have a critical job. I need to get blood to people safely. And I think once people identify what they do, no one's going to argue with you as to the importance of what you do as a pathologist. So just like stand in that truth. So in your following the meeting with the Congresswoman staff, were you asked to provide more information? Fortunately for us, they had said that they understood the issue and that they agreed that, that this was something that they had signed on for and that they would speak to the congresswoman to get the ball rolling. So it was very positively received. In terms of follow-up from CAP, the liaison did a great job putting together a template for if I wanted to follow up with them and thank them for their time and remind them of the issue and saying, you know, please support House Resolution for such and such. So I didn't have to do any of that. So like if people are thinking like, oh, this will take a lot of your time, it really didn't. To reach out to CAP was one email. To meet with the liaison from CAP and to get prepped for the call was one Zoom call. To do the advocacy was one Zoom call. They actually agreed to our ask before I even followed up again via emails. Because CAP is so well organized, the total time input was very 
uh, minimal. Plus, it was it was a really positive experience. When we were ending the call, it was interesting because the person who worked in the office of that congressperson, they actually knew my husband because my mother-in-law had worked with her in a different political office many years ago. And are you Tom's uh, wife? And I remember uh, hearing about Tom getting married. And so she was telling me about how she had heard, you know, our wedding invitations went out and they were shared in the office and stuff like that. And the cap representative was so surprised. She's like, you know, your husband must be like the Prince of Silvis, Illinois. And I'm like, he is. That's his official title. So but it, it reminds you that all politics is really local. And that, you know, for me, it was, you know, my mother-in-law had known someone who worked in the office and that she's the secretary. But maybe for another CAP member, it's going to be, you know, you guys are in the same church or maybe your kids go to the same school or you're connected to this person in some way. So speaking directly to your local person, your local representative, especially if you're lobbying someone in the House or even the state house, there's a popular saying that all politics is local. So at least that was my experience is that, you know, especially if you're working with someone that you've been their constituent for a long time, they'll have connections to your hospital. They'll have ties to your practice. It sounds like you were able to make some clear personal connections with the staff, which I imagine is very important, especially in a virtual meeting. Can you talk a little bit about both the benefits or challenges in doing this type of meeting in a virtual setting? Sure. I had had some experience in residency where, as a department, we wanted to advocate to one of the local congresspeople, and I wasn't involved in that effort directly, but I remember one of the things they set up was a lab tour. When we return to more normal times and more in-person visits are possible, you know, having a representative tour your department at the hospital or work with your hospital directly to see the need in the lab to like see the need, you know, and to be like boots on the ground, that is a unique experience for them. For like us, it's not a big deal to go to a hospital, but for a senator or for a congressperson to go to a hospital to meet doctors in their community, to feel engaged with healthcare advisory, that's a huge deal for them. So I would say that there is that challenge that you can't bring them into your world. That having been said, the advantages are I didn't have to take time off work. I didn't have to set aside time from service. I just had someone cover my pager for an hour and I did the call. So I think you can really have a meaningful impact. I mean, if you look at the bottom line, we won. We didn't have a 9% cut to pathology reimbursement, which would have been devastating, especially to a lot of smaller labs and to community pathologists. So I'm never going to stop advocating for the lab and trying to shine a spotlight on the lab. I think COVID has given us that platform to show people how important the lab is in their life and how critical these results are and how there are people behind getting these results to clinical providers and how we do it in like an accurate, timely, relentless way. Like day after day, the blood bank is open 365, 24-7, and we're committed to our mission. So if COVID allowed me the opportunity to engage virtually and I wouldn't have necessarily done it or I would have hesitated, you know, to do it in person, I would have thought there was a higher barrier to entry, then I'm glad that CAP reached out and said, you know, hey, there's this issue, would you like to advocate virtually? Because now that I've advocated virtually, you know, with a lower barrier to entry, I can see myself definitely continuing to advocate, whether it's in person or virtually. So let's say someone's listening, they're interested in participating in a virtual meeting with their member of Congress, but they're a little hesitant because they just don't feel confident about meeting with a legislator. What advice would you give them? I would say talk to your colleagues. 
talk to your peers, talk to people who are your mentors. They might have things to say that might make you gain more confidence. You might find that, hey, somebody else did it. Like if someone talked to me about it, I would share my experience and say, actually, you know, back in early part of 2021, I lobbied against this cut and it was a really positive experience. So yeah, talk to people around you, see what their experience is. And maybe now's the right time, but you also want to do it with a colleague. Maybe you want to have some buy-in from some people in your department. Maybe you want to share what you're thinking about. So talk to your peers. And I wasn't surprised to find out that some of my mentors have been involved in advocacy. I think that the people that we look up to, the people that we work with, some of them, it's unsurprising to find out that they've been advocating for us as a specialty for many years. So you'd find more people are doing it than you think. All the cool kids are doing it. Do virtual advocacy. Do, re do regular advocacy. Finally, Dr. Saluja, what are some resources a pathologist can use to start or further their advocacy work until they can attend live meetings with Congress again? And would you recommend attending the CAP's upcoming Pathologist Leadership Summit? Absolutely. There's so many resources that pathologists can use to start or advance their advocacy engagement. And I don't think that we should wait for live meetings of Congress to start. I think we're still a little ways from that. I think that you can utilize Zoom calls, you can utilize phone calls, talking about it within your own department and engaging with politicians on Twitter, being involved in discussion platforms, and doing advocacy events like getting training and leadership through the Pathologist Leadership Summit getting CAP members to sort of take action and to advocate for your specialty. Because ultimately, if we don't advocate for ourselves, like other people aren't going to advocate for us as a specialty as much as we will for ourselves. Like when people say like, oh, I wish it were better. I wish people knew. You have to drive that car. You have to, you know, advocate for your specialty. Let people know what pathology does. Let people know, even within healthcare, I think that we can sometimes fly under the radar. And it's so important to engage and to not withdraw. Pathologists are pretty social, you know, talking about this with colleagues on LinkedIn, talking about this within meetings with your own department. It wouldn't be crazy to say, hey, there's a pathologist leadership summit that's being sponsored by CAP. It's coming up in spring and letting everyone in the department know Start with sending an email to your chair and saying, you know, this is a way that we can engage with CAP. And I think framing it in the context of let's all get together and advocate for ourselves as a specialty rather than, oh, you know, let's all get together and be political can be sometimes more appealing to people. Who's going to say that you shouldn't, you know, advocate for yourself as a specialty? And, and that can be like a really unifying thing, regardless of what generation someone is or what age someone is or what their political affiliation is. We're all in this together as laboratorians. So whether it's at Carl or at Northwestern, all the pathologists, it's a relatively small community of pathologists in Illinois. And we really do want to put the lab first, put that spotlight on the lab and all the hard work that our technologists do every day. Well, thank you, Dr. Saluja. For more information on the CAP's advocacy efforts, please visit the advocacy section of CAP.org. And be sure to follow CAP Advocacy on Twitter at CAPDC Advocacy. And for more information about the Pathologist Leadership Summit, which will be held virtually May 1st through the 4th, 2021, please visit pathologistleadershipsummit.org. Thank you for listening to this CAPCast. Be sure to listen to our other CAPCasts from the CAP on our SoundCloud channel by downloading the SoundCloud app on your mobile device. And we're also on Apple Podcasts and the Stitcher app. To find this podcast, search for the word CAPCast on these apps. 
Once you find our podcast, be sure to click the subscribe button so you don't miss new CapCast episodes.